All right, everybody. It's another fantastic Saturday afternoon. I'm feeling really jittery today. Fourth cup of coffee, you know, getting things started right. And uh, almost an indecent amount of coffee, if I might say. Uh, We're here today uh, for another episode of Eat, Pray, Judge. And you know me already. It's Gabe Pacheco. It sure is. That's, yeah, that's who you are. I'm surrounded by friends who can introduce <laughs> themselves if they want to. Uh, Sammy, Hamarne. Thanks, Sammy. Sure. And uh, on mic three today, we've got a guest in the house. We've got the one, the only, Andrew Harris. Hello. It's good to be back. Thank you. And you're, at the moment, the Patrick Swayze of the podcast. In the- yeah. <laughs> You've been on it. This is uh, time three, right? Yeah, this is. And we've reviewed three Swayze films at this point. Oh. Oh, so- I didn't. Okay, good. I thought, I was like, oh, is my, is my time up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad. <laughs> well. Uh, yep. True. So um, true. R.I.P. Yeah. to the to the great one, the oh. god Swayze. Yeah. Um, but uh, but we're here today because you uh, recommended a film and that I know I haven't seen before. And uh, Sammy, have you seen this movie before? Yes, I saw it uh, around the time it came out. Yeah. So if you're listening to uh, this podcast, you probably downloaded it based on the title. And we are going to be talking about 1993's Indecent Proposal. Yes. What? Yes. And this movie, to me, I never saw it, but I have to say that the the title, I feel like I knew what it was. The title's almost like a punchline, you know? It's it, like, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it's a punchline, but it's also the plot. Um, and and there's, there's a lot of, I, you know, I remember very clearly the commercials promoting this movie, um, where, like, the, it's, you know, they just say what the premise is over and over again. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. How are we going <laughs> to... How are we going to deal with that? Let's go. Let's go see this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you, yeah. It tells you exactly what it is in the title, and in if you've seen a single trailer of it. Oh yeah, yeah. So I just remember watching uh, ads for this in '93, and it was uh, Robert Redford with at a, with a pool cue. Yep. In a tuxedo, and being like, "What if? Uh, what could? What? How much would it cost to sleep with your wife?" But but more casual. It's that wonderful. <laughs> Robert Redford, much like uh, Michael Douglas, kind of plays the same thing. Like, this is a very Gatsby-like character. Mm. <laughs> you know, what I, it, it almost is the plot of The Great Gatsby in a, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, very casually. Sure. Can, so give you a million dollars. Why did you pick this film for us today? What's your, what is your, your background in 93? My, with, so yeah. 1993, Andrew Harris is uh, 10, 11 years old. Um, he's, uh, he's, uh, quietly watching this movie from the staircase because his sister rented it. Titillating. Yeah. Um, with her, with her friends because they were all in high school and adult and watching an adult movie and I thought I was sophisticated. Uh, and, and it was exciting. Las Vegas is exciting. They go to Vegas in the movie. Um, and there were a lot of, uh, the one thing that particularly interested me about this movie is how... A movie where a man offers a woman a million dollars to sleep with her, how that would hold up in 2019 America. Pretty sure. pretty well. Yeah, no, it stands up on its own three legs. Yeah, in 1993, I was not watching Indecent Proposal. I was listening to Tribe Call Quest, Midnight Marauders, which came out the same year. Oh. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's my, um, my background with this time period. Uh, not, but I think I... I liked uh, Woody Harrelson from Cheers, yeah. So I knew him from Cheers, and Demi Moore from the 
uh, film Wisdom, where she uh, starred as a, a bank robber on the run with a young Emilio Estevez. Oh, those those uh, brat packers. Yeah, yeah, she was a brat packer. Yeah, she was. I've never heard of that movie. I ne- neither have I, but yeah. all I needed was those two actors, and I know how the movie got made. They were yeah. brat packers. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep cut in one of the forgettable films from that era. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, um, but also kind of a, a movie about, you know, uh, the working man uh, going up against the bank, the house. I don't know if I'd put architect into the yeah. working man's category. They both had really good jobs. They also still had another fucking house. That's true. <laughs> they had two houses. Yeah, so how about you with 93 or when you saw this film? Pretty sure I saw it at like a sleepover of some girlfriend I was dating in junior high school. I think I was like 12 or 13 years old. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where they sell sex in the, in the front and that's all you needed to get me on board. Yeah. So that was that, that, there, yeah. no secret to the appeal to thir- thirteen or fourteen year old people. Well, the poster really also sells that idea too, because the poster is it's what is it's uh, Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore like furiously making out, and then in the corner, ripped like almost ripped out, is Robert Redford in black and white, kind of staring at them like, "Hey, what's what's this relationship?" I want to sure. Now, when we talk about uh, this, though, I think as a kid, there's so many movies that are more titillating, that are more like uh, like this was a this felt like an adult contemporary cuck cuckoo bird uh, melodrama rather than a film that was marketed to little kids to to look at uh, look at bare bosoms, you know, like this wasn't Porky's. I have to say, this wasn't the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. This no, was, you know, this felt like like young contemporary couples in the early '90s. Like you could like still see them going out to some Italian restaurant and being like, "Oh, what's pesto?" You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like it's like the blowing lines and eating sushi. Oh, really? I feel like it's True. just a step past that. You know what I mean? It's just like gotcha. Like people were just like figuring out what organic food was and pretending to be into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then and then going going to see this movie on a date and really just enjoying the the drama of it all. It seemed to be like a big shift in gender role biases and stereotypes in the in the early nineties. Uh, Mattel introduced the uh, earring magic Ken doll, which was uh, a Ken doll featuring blonde highlights, a purple shirt, lavender vest, a necklace with a circular charm, and an earring in its left ear. Um, uh. Obviously. Uh, Kitch-minded gay men bought this doll in droves, um, showing once again that gay men have the buying power of millions, millions a lot of, of people. Disposable income. Lots of disposable income. Sure. Well, that's what happens when you don't have kids is that you can, uh, you can spend money on all sorts of amazing mm-hmm. and frivolous things. Our two neighbors in D.C. growing up across the alley from us well, were two gay men, and each one had their own uh, six-bedroom home. <laughs> and dogs. <laughs> A full My dad was like, they've just got it figured out, man. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that was the highest selling Ken doll in Mattel's history. Sure. Uh, also, more gender role sw- swish swapping. Women until 1993 were not allowed to wear pants on the Senate floor. Yes, that's true. Apparently. Barbara Boxer changed that. Uh, really? <laughs> yes, yeah. Barbara Boxer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because 1993 was, um, 1992 was the quote unquote, the year of the woman when like, five women were elected to the Senate yeah. or I think four women were and there were five or six total at that point. And it was, it was called the year of the woman. Uh, Barbara Boxer had been propelled into the Senate because she was in the house at that time. And um, she very famously, the house not having to do with um, Supreme court uh, hearings, but she led a group of women from the house to protest um, Clarence Thomas's hearing with the whole Anita Hill thing. So when, um, 
when there were there had never been that many women in the Senate before. And um, she she really helped fight for <laughs> women to be able to wear pants um, and, and things like that. And I don't think there was even a women's restroom um, in the off the Senate chamber. It was like a men's room that they had converted or something. Yeah, they're like, you need to leave the Rayburn building to go use the bathroom. We've got some construction porta potties outside. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, that's that's she. She's not, I was going to say, may she rest in peace. She's not dead. She's not in the Senate anymore. Come now I'm on. just picturing Barbara Boxer peeing at a urinal. What? Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you know. That's where my mind went. <laughs> okay. Don't judge me. Um, in a more frivolous attack on gender stereotypes, the Barbie Liber- Liber- Liberation Organization uh, challenged gender stereotypes again by switching the voice boxes of hundreds of Barbies and G.I. Joe dolls. What? So, yeah, they called it reverse shoplifting. Wait, 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 wait. wait and they put were... them back in the stores. Uh, and the so that the, the talking the talking toys were a big deal back then. <laughs> it's the height of our technology. Um, I don't remember. So the, the Barbies would yell. Joe or Barbie. The Barbies would yell, "Eat lead cobra!" While GI Joe would ask, uh, "Want to go shopping?" Question mark. That's amazing. This yeah. feels like something that you you'd see in a, a Fight Club. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> like op, like Operation uh, Mayhem. You know, and they're yeah. and they're like, okay, we've got to swap the voice boxes on all these yeah. dolls. Splice porn into it. <laughs> Social protest in the early '90s was kind of exciting. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a high school prank. I think you'd be upset if you if you got your cobra. Yeah, and, and he was like, <laughs> let's make cookies for the men. <laughs> oh. oh wow! So uh, an interesting time. Interesting time. So when this movie. Uh, uh, Came out, you know, um, Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore are starring in this, and mm-hmm. they're, I think they're at the height of their young actor powers. Yeah. You know? Was... Neither of them first choices, by the way. Really? No, no not, not even show. close. Yeah. Right. Um, they went out to everybody for Woody Harrelson's role, because Woody Harrelson was coming off of Cheers, where he played sort of an aw shucks, country, country-ish rube, he... um, even though he was far from it in real life. His father was a serial killer. His father was uh, mm-hmm. a hitman for the cartel. A murderer, yeah. At who did he kill a judge in Texas? I think. I mean, he's. I th- he was on death row. Sure. Yeah. He's serving a life sentence, and Woody Harrelson is a big advocate for the abolition of uh, death row. Yeah. And he's trying to get, still uh, possibly trying to get his dad off, and also was a member of um, the like the legalizing weed movement, mm-hmm. which in the nineties was I think a little bit more. You know, uh, cutting edge. Yeah, a little yeah. bit more outlaw sure. than it is yeah. now. Well, like he was opening was, oxygen bars in Manhattan and weed emporiums. And it was only two years after this that he got an Oscar nomination for playing Larry Flint, and yeah. I remember that being like the height of of Woody Harrelson. Just yeah. right after this, when it's like, oh, hemp. Everything was hemp, and he wore a hemp suit. What you know, it was like he was like really, really famous for the pot. Or hemp, I think specifically, um, like right, just right after this. I mean, he obviously went out of his way to sort of shed that stereotype of of the character, the, the typecasting character that he was in Cheers. Yeah, um, it's like Woody. He, he's the guy that successfully got out of being yeah, yeah. that the lovable like yep. goon, a goonie uh, like next door neighbor yeah. trope. Well, there was also a lot of he he the two things I think helped him do that because he did it while he was on Cheers. Um, it started when, with, I think, his first SNL appearance. Um, he really kind of broke out and kind of came across as a lot sharper than Woody, mm-hmm. um, Woody Boyd, uh, his character on Cheers. Um, and 
he also there was a lot of paparazzi stuff about him because he was known for being kind of like a kind of a weirdo and you know he would go off like stories about him um they didn't know if Woody was going to show up the set because he'd be at big bear or just you know what i mean sure like, an eccentric bad boy yes exactly yeah i like that yeah and individualistic I, yeah uh r.i.p to the guys that weren't able to like break out of roles like that like mm-hmm. skippy from family ties never was <laughs> able to uh <laughs> make a make a legit career for himself after transitioning <laughs> Uh, and also, uh, Kramer's un- unfortunate crashing and burning. <laughs> Kramer was doing work before then. I mean, he yeah. was like a famous uh, sketch actor, I think. Well, shout outs to Kramer for his incredible role uh, on UHF as Stanley Spadowski. Oh, yeah. Making kids drink from the fire hydrant. Yep, the fire hose. Yeah, that was the best. Um, uh, so here we go. We're, uh, and this was, so when the movie, this movie is about uh, some silly shit. Yeah. It's, uh, we got to. We got a, a couple who have been together since high school, mm-hmm. and uh, they are they they're both gone on after getting married as young kids to become an architect and a real estate agent, and they've got promising careers in both fields. When uh, after overextending themselves with loans and going into debt, the uh, real estate, the market, the whole economy crashes in '93, and so now uh, everybody's coming for them for like. All, all their debt. Uh, this sounds kind of like 2008. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like uh, capitalism has a way of uh, having these these boom and bust cycles. Oh, yeah. We're heading for another one now. <laughs> yeah. How close are we to the edge? Who knows? But Seven it could months. happen any day. <laughs> Basically, our market is Christopher Walken in Deer Hunter just spinning <laughs> spinning a gun with one bullet in the chamber. And uh, we uh, so these guys, they, they, this couple, they need money. Uh, and they need it right away. They need $50,000. They go to Vegas to gamble, which is a huge Stupid metaphor. Stupid, also. Oh, yeah. They, the setup to, 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 to all of this and their their life together that they've they've created, is, is a, it, it does set them up as sort of a, an impulsive, almost tumultuous couple where one minute they're fighting over shoes on the table um, and the next minute just laughing it all off and... and kissing in her defense that's that's ridiculous that you put your shoes on it on a table it was kind of a weird like choice. cleats like, no who, less yeah like and it'd be i don't know yeah. not the tidiest <laughs> human being with that threw me i was like gross dude well it's more that maybe he, he should have been paying a little bit more attention in science class than to uh demi moore's panties mm. in high school that's you know right. what i mean because he learned nothing about germ theory <laughs> you know yeah. your shoes are on the floor uh, what's what else is on the ground dog shit well, maybe it Human was a feces. Maybe it was a quirky <laughs> architectural choice. Like he's just like a he's sort oh, of an absent-minded, is... uh, you know, cerebral nerd who doesn't think about like the the, the little things. Yeah, I think that's like self-preservation, right? <laughs> or uh, yeah, how to not get pink eye. <laughs> um, I think that I mean that that brings up a good point. So they're they're high school sweethearts. Basically, they get married at nineteen, which is you know very smart. Yeah, well, that's because um, you've seen everybody else uh, <laughs> flourishing. Yeah, you're like. Uh, you're the best choice mm-hmm. in this phys ed class. The first yeah. one is usually the best one in my in my book. That's what I always say. You know, go yeah. with your guts. I've been married 14 times. Yeah, it's like Malcolm Gladwell's blink. You know, like, hey, I see you within the first 30 seconds. I know you're the one, and that's it. Right. I gotta have you. Um, uh, and this, by the way, pre-CGI, best way to make 35-year-olds look like they are uh, uh, 14. Yeah, braces. Braces. <laughs> Braces and, a, and, a, and an LSU hat? They both look so good. Woody, she kind of forgot what, he was a good-looking man with hair. Hair does so much. So, <laughs> sorry to all my follically-challenged friends out there, but damn. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, watching this, I was like, wait, is he bald now, or does he just cut it really clean? He's bald now, right? He's, he's been bald for quite some time. Has he? She, by the way, is a stunning creature. Yeah, she looks great in this. <laughs> yeah, she's just so so cute. Sure, sure, sure. I forgot. I, that's why I said this was them at their the peak, their yeah. peak young actor yeah. powers. I know that uh, they had trouble filming the uh, the sex scenes because Woody was good friends with uh, her then husband Bruce Willis, so he was a little <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Bruce doesn't seem like a guy who has a sense of humor. Nah, John McClane's playing harmonica, getting <laughs> heated in the corner, watching you fake, fake, fake sleep with his wife. Yeah, you don't want the lead singer of Return to uh, the Return of Bruno. To show up, is that what they're called? Judging him, judging. Ju- yeah, Bruno. I think that's uh, maybe that's thirty seconds to Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so impulsive, and that's a great point. Andrew. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That they're already impulsive from the jump. Yeah. yeah, they really they they want they want to set that up. I think at the beginning, right? So uh, some of the go ahead. No, no, I, go ahead. Some of the other people they went out to initially. Uh, this was supposed to be a Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman vehicle. It was written with them in mind. Uh, the other actors they reached out to, um, John Cusack for for the for the role of David uh, Woody Woody Harrelson's character. I can see that. Yep. Yeah. Johnny Depp, Tim Robbins, interesting yeah. choices. Could see why none of them wanted to do it. Val Kilmer, another one. Uh huh. Too difficult to work with. Woody not, uh, not was yet. not considered initially, but got it off the strength of his white men can't jump performance. I can see that. Yeah. Wow. That's a, a great movie and yeah. one we've talked about before, but we will get to. Yes, at some point. Yeah, and they with the with the the Tom Cruise Nicole Kidman one. I think they wanted Warren Beatty to be the. That's exactly who they wanted. Yeah, yeah. they wanted Warren Beatty to be Rob Ref, which is believable because I feel like Warren Beatty has done that. It's so funny. (laughs) In in real life, he's definitely done this. He he paid Annette Bening's then husband a million dollars, and look what happened. Yeah. Um, No, I. It's I. I would like to actually see the Warren Beatty version of of that role. I think. Watching the movie, I, I was kind of going back and forth on Robert Redford. I'm like, what are you doing? And honestly, the more you sit in it and the more the movie progresses, the more I was like, Robert Redford does a really good job in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So he plays the devil. He, show, he shows up <laughs> there. Well, they're at the casino and they're gambling. Yeah. And they make $25,000 on their first day of gambling. Well, twenty yeah, a lot of so money. $25,000. Take the money and run. Go. No one does that well in Las Vegas. Ever. With what? What was their seed money? Was 5, it the money? 5000 5000 That he borrowed from his dad. Oh, my yeah. God. So we, we talked about the quick synopsis. They're, they're in a home. They're building a dream house. He's an architect. He loses his job. So they're, they're struggling. So they go to Vegas, which is, you know. But yeah. they don't. It's so great because they've 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 gone to the lawyer and the financial guy. And they're like, oh, you're gonna lose you're gonna lose everything because you you know the the market went bust and you can't sell a house or put a sign in the ground. Um, there's a voiceover in the movie if you watch it, and she's saying how the market went dry. <laughs> they visualize that by showing her not being able to put a sign in the ground, which was <laughs> which, so, which did, was so funny yeah. to me. That's funny. Um, but uh, That's when really you know the the decision to go to Las Vegas isn't a decision. They're in bed. He wakes up and he says, I have an idea. And then, boom, next scene, Vegas. Also, how did he lose sleep coming up with, we can go to Vegas to try to make more money? <laughs> it's like, that that was the middle of the night epiphany you came up with, dude? He's like, we've got luck. We can do yeah. this. You know where yeah. idiots go to lose and, and pretend to win money? Vegas. <laughs> but they have no ba- he has no basis to believe that he has good luck. Everything has just crapped out from beneath them. Yeah. Yeah. All that hard work and architecture school. I yeah. mean, the whole time, it just made me so pessimistic about like investing in the American dream. Like that early, <laughs> that beginning, it was like, oh, oh yeah. why, why even try? Because it's like, the- 
the rug can get pulled out from under you at any moment. At the end of the day, you don't really own anything. And Banks then, always do. Yeah, uh, the house always wins. Yeah. It just seems like they weren't very smart about mm. how they handled their money. To, to be perfectly honest, again, she's a re- she sells real estate, and he's an architect. These are they were making the ostensibly good money. You know what I mean? And then. They decide, yeah, they had to get a loan to, to build this other house. Like you say, they have two houses. Yeah. Um, you know, the one that they live in and then the one that they're building. And, um, you know, I feel like some of the onus was on them. <laughs> they, they, sure. They might have been a little frivolous. Like, see, he goes, oh, you didn't pay your bills. The house is going to foreclose. And to me, more goes, can they do that? Well, they're – Yeah. They are, uh, yes. They, they've, like, fallen into the illusion of the American dream. Like, real estate agents, that's a bullshit job. Like, there are some people that make money doing it, but really, you're just a flim-flam man. You're a salesman who's, like, artificially... A shifty go-between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's funny. These these characters are so naive. Yes. Throughout the entire movie. Like, in, in a way that they're almost, like, stuck as the 19-year-old kids that got married... You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're frozen in time at the moment that you first have sex. Yeah. That's the reason you're not supposed <laughs> to have sex in middle school. Is not because it's like ethically wrong, but just like, oh, you're ruined after that because you're like, why do I care about algebra? Uh, what like what else is there to learn? That's why I like Blink 182 so much. <laughs> so much. Yeah, that's why you're supposed to wait. You will wait until you've got a couple other experiences under your belt. Yeah, get to forty. <laughs> forty, and then make a great a movie, a yeah. smash hit. Forty-year-old virgin. Right. All right. Nobody's nobody's waxing my chest hair. That's not that's that's not happening. Uh, but these guys. So you're saying you want to do that live on the podcast at some point? Done. Oh, fine. How many uh, movies are there where the architecture is another bullshit job that you just use to to give to a character? Like um, five hundred days of summer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then they make architecture seem like it's this art form when most architects are just like, I gotta I get gonna design this barn. Okay, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, the monologue that he gives when he's later on in the movie teaching that architecture class right. about how it should lift the spirit, I was actually kind of moved by that. Dude. Holy shit, really? I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I, I thought that was ridiculous. I'm not going to apologize for liking it either. He almost got a fucking standing ovation in a lecture, an architecture lecture class. I know, that was like a Mr. Holland's opus moment. A brick Look, wants to be... No, it doesn't. It's a fucking brick. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. <laughs> Dead Poet Society. Yeah. So, broken Heart Boy speeches. <laughs> he taught that class nothing. But, <laughs> like, there was, there was nothing to learn there. However... Uh, it was. I thought it was. A, I was moved by the speech. I thought it was. I thought it was nice. I feel like that speech was sponsored content, uh, and and like an architecture school paid for him to give that because that speech sailed a thousand ships and made a bunch of people take the bullshit degree of architecture. Like they studied it after watching that. They're like, one day I'll get to build a cathedral. It's like, nah, fam, you're gonna build another car wash. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you're not Buckminster Fuller. <laughs> They already uh, built the Chrysler building. You a can't. Brick <laughs> wants to be something. Yeah, and even the, his, his final piece was the the, the Chrysler, Chrysler building. I think. Yeah, well, which has that beautiful. Least, that was the least impressive. That building is made out of beautiful. I was just in the Chrysler building the other day, and the the bricks are very very pretty. That's great, man. That was the only one that wasn't <laughs> built by slaves. I guess that has it has that going for it. <laughs> Yeah. The only, the only, oh, okay, the Parthenon, the, the, the Sphinx, correct, right. right. Like, there's been many buildings built by bricks that weren't. If you want to build something like the pyramids in Egypt, you need bricks and slaves. You need free labor. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, we jumped far ahead into that one. I, you know, uh, I, that speech did it. I mean, he did. He taught them how to deliver a sen- senseless monologue. He taught them how to care about their work. I and, yeah, and I thought that was All nice. Right. I was on pins and needles during that speech because I thought that he was going to have a meltdown. I thought that the brick was going to end with him throwing it yeah. at the projector. Like, what the fuck am I talking about? Well, yeah. Why is my where's my wife? If yeah. I had been him, if I had been him in that moment when he goes, "What is this?" and the student who who responds that it's a brick does so in a way that he is like going to be the hero of this moment. It's a brick, <laughs> guy. Come on. You know, you know that there's like a switch happening, and he's the, the point is that it's not just a brick. And this guy, he said it with such conviction and pride, and I was like, yeah. "Why was his lawyer there at the lecture? Did you notice that? Oh, because he had to come deliver the news at the about the divorce. Oh, thank you very much. So, yeah. uh, the lawyer played by Oliver Platt, incredibly funny in this movie. Yeah, but I also thought during the speech he was going to uh, hook up. He was vibing with the blonde student who's uh, staring at him in rapture while he gave that speech yeah i thought that the lesson of this was that you're gonna move on and find a new person who loves you for the artist that you now are no because it's like woody found his voice yeah being single do you think this movie would have been better if woody harrelson's character had been an archaeologist like indiana jones (laughs) (laughs) instead of an architect (laughs) i i yeah I do think so. I think so, too. Yes, I'd love to see that. It would have been more expensive to make. (laughs) I would have had to show him on digs. Oh, that would have been fun. Uh, Well, let's get back to... I want to get back to Robert Redford, man. He is great as John Gage in this movie. John Gage, a billionaire. And uh, the name makes me think of John Galt, almost like a hero from an Ayn Rand book. He's this libertarian ubermensch. This billionaire who's free to do whatever he wants. And the first scene we see is him uh, exiting an elevator, surrounded by other businessmen, looking like a weird Reagan-Trump hybrid, like a rump gun. And he, uh, and he stares at Demi Moore. He catches her eye, and she's uh, shoveling chocolates in her bag. A Reagan-Trump hybrid. Yeah. Nice. Like Paul Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's... Uh, He's, he's a man with all the money living in a perfect world, but mm-hmm. he's missing the one thing that he needs more than anything else. Love. The gratification of ruining two people's lives because I, he can. Yeah, it seems less that he wants love and more that he just wants to corrupt <laughs> or poison uh, anyone else having a good time outside of the structure right. of money. Yeah, he he's charmed. He's charmed by the fact that she's stealing free chocolates. Um and that, to me, he looks like a predator who's yeah. seeing a wounded gazelle. 100%. Oh, yeah. When he sees like her he, get the chocolate, mm-hmm. he's basically, that's like his gotcha bitch moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, what is that? Greed or desperation? Look at this pretty destitute woman snatch, snatching candies off of a tray. <laughs> you know what I have? Money. Right. He's and a, like, col- a dead heart. Yeah, he's like a Charles Dickens-like aristocrat who's just walking really down is. the street and he sees a chimney sweep lady <laughs> and he's like, mmm... That's the one I want to buy. Here's some bread. <laughs> Lift your knickers. No, I'm going to be real charming, and I'm going to I'm going to come in while you're oh, oog- money. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Oogling this dress, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just going to I'm going to tease you a little bit with my wealth and tousled hair. He he seems like a Bond villain. He does. He really know? is. Well, and that's why I think his performance is so great in this because it at the at the crux of it at the crux of this movie he's offering to pay. Uh, uh, Demi Moore and Woody Harrelson a million dollars uh, to sleep with to sleep with Demi Moore for one night for one, one night, night. Or he, and he doesn't even say that he says I'll offer I'll, what if I gave you a million dollars for one night with your wife um, 
Right. He doesn't, he did, like, we don't even find He's... out that they do have sex until later on in the film. Well, yeah. we you had an idea one day. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's strongly, strongly implied. This was also a long play on his part. You but know he... why? Because you will lose your wife to a billionaire 100 million times out of 10. Like, it's just not, like, <laughs> she's like, wait a minute, you flew me to a yacht, and now what now? Music's right. on. He's got a yacht. Yeah. He's got a helicopter. He's good looking. He's got a he's got a private enforcer. Yeah, uh, that guy. Shackleford. The fixer with this big walrus mustache. What a weird name. He's great a, actor. He's got a filter on the lens for all of his scenes. Yeah, that uh, that actor is Seymour Cassell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's fantastic. He is one of my favorite aspects of the film. I wanted his side story. I wanted the origin story of Shackleford and how he first hooked up with uh, with John he's, Cage. Th- th- let, I wanted to point out yeah. that the 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 cast the, the the cast in total here is great. Oliver Platt has always been such a great character actor. Uh, Seymour Cassell, great, is in Wes Anderson films left and right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does really cool stuff, and uh, even Billy Bob Thornton's little uh, redneck yes. role. I almost texted you guys when I was watching. I was like, "Holy shit, Billy Bob!" Yeah, fat, fat face Billy with the earring. Yeah, yeah, just talking, just looking talk, like a Kendall, just talking like like a washed up Kendall. Just lots of mess. Yeah. Mm. Oh man, I don't know if you're gonna get her back. Yeah, he's like, "You think she's coming back?" I'm <laughs> yeah. just kidding. Nah, she's not coming back. You dumb motherfucker. <laughs> Am I gonna get residuals for this? I'd I, fuck him for a million. I better write my own movie. Mm. I love when they show like Oliver Platt's little. Uh, there's like these little glimpses of that he might have a moral compass at one point when he's like, "How could you? You gave your wife. How could you do that without talking to me first? I love the little turns where you just think anyone's going to be a decent human being in this movie. No, Oliver Platt, just based on his apartment alone in this movie, is a disgusting character. In he's this a lawyer. Movie. <laughs> uh, that apartment was horrendous. Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, that's that. We're, we'll get to that scene, but I wanted to. You mean the loft with the treadmill? That's some '90s shit, right? There. Yeah, <laughs> bright primary colors and blocks everywhere. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, before we get to that, I wanted to get to Robert Redford on his yacht and like this this image of a of a billionaire who could just fly people around on his helicopter on the yacht. He's got a private uh, piano player. Who knowingly is, uh, you know? Oh, he has at least three private piano players. Yes, because they're not the same actor. Was that guy supposed to be famous? By the way, is he like a jazz? Is he a jazz musician? I think it's her. It might <laughs> what be are Herbie you Hancock. trying to say, I think it sir? It might have been Herbie Hancock. No, I'm serious. They look like somebody kind of famous. Well, they because they do the camera does linger on him. Like, hey, it's this guy. And he also like makes you know he he winks and smiles. I think it, it does look like Herbie Hancock. Yeah, that's just good acting. And he uh... <laughs> winking and smiling. That's the name of the game, baby. But I thought, dude, <laughs> thinking about a rich guy. <laughs> Who's got Herbie Hancock just playing for him and has a whole army of people who are backing up whatever mm-hmm. he does? Is that this is like the proto Jeffrey Epstein? Well, yeah, kind of. Okay, so when she when they're on the yacht and she's like walking out through the living room, you know, on the yacht, and there's the food and potentially Herbie Hancock playing piano. Yeah, and then just a bunch of like midshipmen in white, and the whole time I was like, are they going to watch? Like what? What is the staff here for? What what's 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 going on? What what is what exactly goes on on this boat? He had a, it, it did seem like they like it was going to be some sort of like they have to witness. It, it seems ceremonial almost. Just a staff of white boy Ken dolls at his beck and call. <laughs> Those guys are all just standing there like uh, Abercrombie models. Yeah, and they uh, and and how many times has he done this before? Are That's they, the question. Yeah, that and, is and, the question. And uh, and the first scene where he inv- well. He invites them before this. Uh, John Gage invites Woody and Demi to his suite for a party. Mm. And 
I thought, how? Why are all these rich, affluent, cool people in Vegas at this guy's beck and call? Or are they all actors who we put in tuxedos to play rich people? No, I think I think that was literally just to set up his affluentness is that he moves in these circles you know at the end of that scene he's like oh i have a meeting you know um at midnight it's like what why <laughs> um you know like it I, I i do think that that was meant to be like he he moves in this high society circle yeah which yeah what is high society in las vegas heads up they don't look like those people no um, they yeah. they're all like just chubby uh like fat fingered uh yeah. Cigar chomping, but that's where you saw the most diversity too. Ethnically, there was like the, that was like the only six black people in the movie were in that scene at the, the high society party. But I agree with Andrew. I think it was set as a backdrop to show him that he's like this affluent, uh, yeah, uh, high society snob. They didn't. I mean, it was a very again. This, it was a very Gatsby moment mm. where yeah. you know he's this mysterious wealthy man is coming through the party. It's almost lifted directly yeah. from Gatsby. I thought of Gatsby three different times. Yeah. in this movie for sure. Um, and for those of you who might not know, who haven't seen the movie in, from the 70s, Robert Redford, of course, played uh, Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's all news to me. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Are you totally. serious? No, you're get, like, I'm learning something new right now. You didn't watch that version of it in school when you read The Great Gatsby? No. What? Yeah, but I did uh, read another book called Bodega Dreams, which is a retelling of The Great Gatsby with a Puerto Rican-American drug dealer playing the Gatsby character. Can you text me the author of that? I want to read that. I will. Okay, thank you. Yeah. That sounds interesting. That so, sounds more more my speed. Sure. That's <laughs> oh, no. the remake I want to see. Yeah. Sure, Gatsby's my speed. Like, I want to be a very wealthy, eccentric uh, Long Islander who dies in a pool. <laughs> well, the, uh, sleep. But, uh, but so John Gage, he offers them um, money for the wife. And the first time when he meets them is in the casino, and it's a gambling scene. Mm-hmm. And all of the gambling scenes actually gave me that uh, that anxious rush yeah. that I've had in the very few times that I've been in a casino. Right. Because right. I knew that it wasn't going to work out, but I didn't know when it was not going to work out. Right. So every time they roll dice or they play a hand of cards, I'm like, oh, they could win this one. They well, definitely drew that part I, out. I thought that whole – that was a cop-out. It really – because, hmm. cause, you know, the first night when they're up – and they win twenty five thousand dollars, and you you stop, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like, but see, that's the that's the thing is um, nobody does. But <laughs> but uh, then then the next day when you know you know things are going to go south, right? It's telegraphed pretty well. They're playing roulette, which is right. the, famously the game on, in a casino where you have the least odds. There's zero skill of, involved. Exactly. I like winning. to call that game the money toilet. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although the last, to, be, to be fair, the last time the last time I was in Vegas, I, uh, I I'm too, I'm far too sheepish to actually approach a table because I don't 100 percent know how all the games are played. Sure. So I found video roulette, and oh my god, I just posted up with my cigarettes and my beer, and I was just like pressing things like you know some senior citizen in town on a convention. Yeah. I had the best time. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's intimidating to walk up to like a mahjong table. <laughs> she gets slapped by a Chinese lady. Yeah, what are we doing over here? Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea how those games work. I don't even like playing blackjack at a table if I'm not with my friends. Oh yeah, because 
I don't want to like uh, you know ask ask to hit me and have the guy next to me be like, "What? You're never supposed to hit on." Well, the yeah. With table games, don't be Vegas, don't be intimidated by like, weirdos. <laughs> no one's there to have fun. They're all there to like recreate indecent proposal and try to save their their homes. Uh, you know what I mean? Like everyone ta- like table games in Vegas. The, the times that I've actually played them, and it's, I think it's just been blackjack and maybe. No, I've never done craps. Um, it's it. People take if you do something wrong, people get really mad yeah, at you because you're like fucking the, with their money. Yeah, and the <laughs> dealers aren't particularly friendly either. And it's like oh, I thought this was supposed to be fun. I think the best I've ever done was a, was like a four or five hundred dollar hand at blackjack, and then uh, promptly lost that within twenty minutes. Yeah, um, and then playing Texas Hold'em at these tournament tables is uh, that's that's intimidating because if if you think you're a good poker player at your buddy's house playing yeah. for twenty dollars, no, someone on the spectrum <laughs> yeah. with wrap wraparound yeah. Oakleys. <laughs> who's been awake for four days yeah and like just a, grinding a walrus mustache that's hiding yeah. his micro uh, mouth facial expressions <laughs> is just gonna be sitting there my micro just mouth you look you look like raw meat <laughs> at that table hey yeah, Mattel, dude, Mattel like, I'd like to this. see that Barbie please that Ken yeah <laughs> yeah po- poker player Ken you look like one of those things from the uh, one of those people from the the uh, Black Hole Sun video <laughs> Just a wide-eyed, doughy idiot, like, please take some of my money. I fold. (laughs) Finally a song reference on this podcast, I know. Uh, (laughs) Vegas is crazy. I love the scene. So there's so many. uh, There's actually a couple. This movie is very uneven, but I want to praise a couple things that it does really well. And it's got a couple great scenes. One of them that are funny, like... When uh, Woody Harrelson calls his lawyer, played by Oliver Platt, that is a hilarious scene to me. When he calls him initially to tell him about the deal? Exactly. Uh-huh. I like that scene. Screenplay, this, Great. This feels like it's ripped out of, uh, autobiographically, maybe out of the director or, sure. the, or the screenplay writer's life. That um, you've got these two screenplay writers who are looking for representation with a new lawyer, and they're on the fence as to whether or not they want Oliver Platt to represent them. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, he takes that call about it, and it's a speakerphone call about like, "Hey, uh, this guy wants to pay a million dollars to sleep with my wife. What should I do? What could go wrong?" Yeah, and he's like, "Don't ever sign a contract without your representation." Yeah. And I get five now for the moral part. Yeah, I get five percent. Yeah, and I was like, fifty thousand bucks to sign that contract to do nothing. I yeah. thought about that in my head. And I was those, like, fuck did I those screenwriters were costumed so oddly. They <laughs> did you know they were wearing like green suits? They looked like cup like tween, twink club cub scouts. Yeah, I, I dude, they were dressed like they were in the Dave Chappelle in his new special. Yeah, <laughs> they uh, they looked like they looked like the '90s version of the Riddler costume. They looked like you know a Jewish I mean? Rod and Todd Flanders. Yeah, oh, so wow, they looked, yeah, <laughs> so young. They yeah. were so young too. Um, well, that one kid had that just cherubic face. <laughs> well, and the and the other one had was it a briefcase of money? Well, who knows? But, no, because when he when he left, he had the the metal briefcase, which yeah. usually has money in it. Sure, well, or Marcellus Wallace's soul. Mm-hmm. Is that what that is? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I just watched that. It's a MacGuffin. Uh, but the... <laughs> that's a fun scene. Uh, and then Oliver, so Oliver Platt, that's that's full of humor. I was what other? There were a couple other scenes in this that were played for. Oh, a beautiful scene played for humor as well is when Oliver Platt shows up in Vegas and he's at the casino with Woody Harrelson and there's the animatronic Asian man yeah. and then the animatronic uh, tree. tree that are both singing at him and it's so grotesque. 
Yeah. That y- you can see him sort of start to spiral yeah. out of control and feel guilt and remorse yep. for the contract that he signed. And then he runs in – Woody, Woody Harrelson runs into uh, another room – with a thousand people sitting at a thousand screens, all gambling on horse races. Yeah, which is what happened. I mean, I've well, not yeah, been I, in that room before. It's I, not, I, not fun. I will say uh, that's that scene because it was so visually interesting. Yeah, and and it was I think artistically it was the most interesting moment of the movie. Yes, it really felt like there was going to be, and it was, but it didn't. It did not satisfy. It really felt like this was going to be like oh. Woody Harrelson's going to start spiraling out of control now. Like he was dramatically. In, he was in tiki hell. <laughs> but it and he to be fair that is that is a, a major turning point for his character, mm-hmm. but it doesn't it, it it doesn't happen quite the way that that visual sets up. I wanted that visual felt like the like um an appetizer and I'm and I'm thinking now when is the when is the main yes. uh, meal going to come and it doesn't. You're yep. absolutely right. Yeah, the, it feels like the beginning of Fear and Loathing. I was in Las just going to say mm-hmm. came, the the meal came six, six years later when Fear and Loathing came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, right. But it's but that is just a beautiful. It shows it's the spark of inspiration in this movie that um, that the rest of it doesn't really hold up to, unfortunately. But I wanted to bring that up as like just a great uh, scene. It it was a great scene, but it was so independent from the rest of the film that it didn't fit. Yeah, at all. Like uh, you know, truly, because it was the only thing that felt like it had a real passion behind it. Just some artistic (laughs) creativity. I mean, this is the director that did Fatal Attraction and some darker film, some darker fare. This was uh, I don't know where he tried to get uh, where that came from. But it was so out of place, but cool. Well, because the source material, the only thing that he took from the source material is the paying somebody a million dollars to sleep with their wife. Right. The book that it's supposedly based off that of deals with um, Israeli-Palestinian intrigue. Yeah, that's a funny – I mean, now I kind of want to read the book uh, if I ever have a, a week at the beach and nothing else to read. Yeah. But it's uh, but the, John Gage, the billionaire in the book, is played by an Arab um, oil magnate. And then the uh, and then the Woody Harrelson character is supposed to be a corporate speechwriter. Oh, interesting! As opposed to an architect, really, he's a Jewish corporate speechwriter. So it's it is. There's like there's other layers to it that are like religious and That's cultural. A, that would have been vastly more that interesting. Been a much story. much better movie, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're ready for it today. Like they, I think they got the screenplay for this back back in the day. Right. They were like we need to wipe. Although, How can we make this? Yeah. Like, Add more mayo to this. Let's sandwich. get Woody I mean, from Cheers. Even, yeah, I mean, even still, like you would have had Robert Redford's character would have been like, I don't, uh, Andy Garcia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the casting, the early '90s casting of that version of the story would have been horrendous. Mm. <laughs> it would, it would have been some problematic uh, <laughs> cultural appropriation, brown facing, likely. Yes. I'm into it. <laughs> so what was the working title for this movie, I wonder? like, I think it was always a decent proposal. I was cool with my wife fucking a billionaire for a spec house. Should yeah. Should be like a working title. Oh. I like the, uh, the, the, the cuckoo bird. Mm-hmm. Cuckold bird? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. There is some cucking in this and some cuckooing. Right. There's a whole bunch of... That story took so long to get out, though. <laughs> it was like, get to it. Come on. Let's go. It did. It did. Uh, and uh, so, okay. So, what happens after this? There's, a, there's. A... It just shows him dissenting into madness from his decision, and her being swept oh. off in a helicopter to a yacht yeah. off the coast of Santa Barbara. But then, then we get in. Then we get into her turn, which uh, Demi Moore's turn, Diana, um, who th- this one I thought it just was bonkers to me 
um, what what starts to happen after after the night, right? So the the night in question, where we don't actually see any sexing, we see nothing. Yeah, which is why I'm saying like if you're you're not I'm not trying to watch this as a 13 year old. If I had rented this, I would have freaked the fuck out that there's no actual sex happening. Yeah, and there's and, a, well, yeah. there was sex between. The two main characters, but Redford. I think it was actually sm- tastefully done that they didn't show them having sex. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think that was a bad call. It would have ruined the. It would have ruined the, the mystery. Mystique. Yeah, <laughs> if he was just like three pumps and then yeah. like, well, and I'm you done. can't. Your million you know, bucks. Get the fuck off my yacht. You can't put cheesecloth over the camera when they're the, both checks in the on scene. the dresser, <laughs> smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Just like I'm old. Uh, like, yeah. Hold on, let me take my uh, my beta blocker and my <laughs> <laughs> He starts mashing up. Uh, some Cialis. Mm. Yeah, they. It's it's so the immediately after when Demi Moore because he uh, uh, Robert Redford gives them when they're still in Las Vegas this ugly penthouse at the Hilton. Um, it looks like <laughs> it, it, uh, it looks like the Beetlejuice house, um, and uh, in not a like positive way. That was the um, sign of wealth back then. By the way, oh, it's, it was it's it was... always curtains that you can control remotely. <laughs> I remember they did it in, in Rain Man as well in the no, late late eighties. Sounds like that. Yeah, yeah. But the, even that, even like the the gaudy Roman esque Caesars all of it was, was over classier than whatever this Hilton suite was. Over the top, black feathers everywhere. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, they, you know, she comes in and he's had his, his night of, I shouldn't have done it. Um, and then, oh, he like smears her lipstick off of her lips and then they have sex. And then, yeah, that part I didn't care for. Yeah. I thought it was like, what is this? Uh, okay. Then they go back to, uh, Los Angeles where they live, um, which is why they can just hop on over to Vegas. Um, and we get... We get their sort of domestic life now. Yes. And in that, we see the now, like, they've, they've bitten the apple of knowledge, you know, and, and now there's, now there's gr- the jealousy. Yeah. Suspicion. I mean, that's what's going to happen when you let your wife fuck another dude for money. Like, the trust is, is gone. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I think this is a middle class issue. This sure. Is, this problem is not a real problem. No, not a real problem. In, in 2019, people are poly. We got polycules. Right. Uh, we have sex work yeah. is seen as legitimate work, and uh, and if you're poor, you know there's pro- prostitution has been around forever, and husbands are pimps. Yeah, you know, <laughs> not all husbands, but what you you can love somebody and also pimp them out. The the interesting thing to me about this this point in the movie is um is to like they she and she's like no I don't want to talk about it I don't want to talk about it. He's like, well, I do want to talk about it. I because don't... it's like the Clinton scandal. It's like, no one really cared. You knew, he, you knew he had sex with Monica Lewinsky, but then you started hearing rumors about him putting cigars and stuff, and all of a sudden people were outraged. Yeah. You just don't want to know how the sausage is made. It's like, we get it. You fucked on a yacht. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you I really just... want to know? It was pretty good. I don't know. If it's like yeah. you're, and they've been not the West, not the worst. Presumably in their 30s at this point. It's like, no, you guys have been together for a long time. Just, just talk about it. I feel like that's going to make this conflict between the two of you ease up a little bit it might help make it better they don't communicate well and i actually didn't think they had stellar chemistry with each other i don't know it was it was their 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 whole relationship seemed very uh distant sure even when they were together when you get married at 19 you don't even know yourself right yeah i think that this movie kind of you know in a horror movie you watch people uh, about to have sex and you're like oh jason's gonna kill them now and there's something about that in this they play them off as these sort of like 
sterilely uh, cliche romantics, and you're you're kind of hoping that uh, that they get cleaved apart, like because they're <laughs> they do emotionally yeah, get they're, cleaved they're, apart. Yeah. Well, it, uh, on, this is also it feels like a coming of age movie mm-hmm. where <clears throat> uh, they uh, honestly. Uh, love each other at the at the end of it mm-hmm. because they they they've hurt each other in a way yeah and that's you know you're gonna hurt the people you love you how know? much can you that's know about just, yourself you've never been in a fight yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a fucking human being we're all human beings we're right. all flawed she and, uh, I don't know she makes this turn though where she starts where she actually falls for Robert Redford and like ends up with Robert Redford his seduction the seduction of Diana ugh that's I, a, I, I kind of title of this I movie thought that too. was so like. It was so weird. Like, he how was, does she not get captivated by that? That money and that, like, sort of, you know. But it wasn't. I it, got kind of wet watching it. It was. It, <laughs> yeah. Did you? Um, is there a Barbie for that? Um, there will be now. <laughs> Robert a Robert Redford Barbie. The, the uh, Gigolo Ken. Um, like it was like it wasn't because it wasn't like all of the money. Although she does like kind of sink into that. It was his charm. But his charm was gross. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like when he, she's, I got a side job teaching citizenship. <laughs> Which is like a liberal guilt job to get. Like I want to yeah. feel good about myself now. I want to know that I'm making an impact on the world. So she goes and teaches the citizenship class. And I love that scene. I like, I love the idea of teaching a citizenship class. But is a citizenship class just asking people where they were born and everybody repeating the name of that city? Yeah. Is that what a citizenship class is? While, yeah. while others are distracted in a window by the devil billionaire. Yeah, she's she's the white savior in this scene, and then and then uh, like his president, yeah. and, and then he's the <laughs> white white guy getting out of a Rolls the, Royce. Yes, president, yeah. the real white savior, the hope that you come to this country and can be a billionaire yourself. Yeah. And he walks in and uh, charms the pants off these people, and he's like, "How come you don't want to be with me?" She heard, "Oh, she broke my heart," and they're all like, "Oh." Senora. It's crazy. As good as of an actor as Robert Redford is, like his, he just seemed this character didn't have much to him. No, but except here's the thing: like what he does in that scene is awful. You like he's so he's he's already taken the the house away from these people. That's that's one thing. After after uh, they get their money, they they can then kind of solve their problems. And one of their problems is they were going to lose their new house. <laughs> and he's already taken that away from them. He's already slept with the wife. He keeps pursuing um, the uh, Demi Moore, uh, even though she has made it clear that she, he, she does not want him to do he that. He doesn't take no for an answer. This is like no. he's a, he tactically dismantles their entire yeah. relationship. And then, and then he shows piece up. By piece, brick by brick. <laughs> he shows up at the citizen, citizenship class um, and impresses these people who were apparently not very easily impressed yeah because um, all he did was walk into the room and they're like oh my god and then he probably smelled really good but the tone of the movie <laughs> probably um i mean i'm not gonna lie we've all thought about what robert redford smells like and you know it's some like sandalwood cedar kind of a thing just something comforting like yeah, yeah 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 like a desk at a library it's yeah. a, it's its own aromatherapy flavor mm-hmm. yeah like a restoration rich white <laughs> yeah. rich white restoration hardware oh i want to get a restoration hardware today um, so he goes in there, and it's a public display of sentiment. It's a it's a public profession of love, and that makes it so hard when there's a third party there, a witness, mm-hmm. because it. But it's not intimate. It's it's and Janelle James, this very funny comedian, she's got a, a joke I love, and I'm gonna butcher it, but the prep, but the idea is like the public um, proposals are bullshit because you're like 
it, oh, yeah. like you're you're emotionally holding someone hostage they be they, there's an embarrassment factor of like fuck i can't say no to you because you've got all these people around and it's like the that's the worst so what he's doing here is emotionally manipulative too it's like, like when you get a shitty christmas uh christmas present in front of your family right from your family and you're yeah. like ah thanks <laughs> or like your yeah. aunt is here and she gave you these this fucking ratty like uh like pea soup green sweater you know, or, or say thank you. Yes, but I mean, someone's given you a gift. You say thank you, which is the same essential premise of this scene. He yeah. gave you the he gave you the gift of his presence and liking you. Say thank you, please. Are, are we, <laughs> we're discussing pleasantries. <laughs> yeah, that this whole movie is based off of pleasantries, sort of. And uh, <laughs> what else does he do? Oh, well, he also he he also uh, takes her and to to shot. He shares his vulnerability with her. And tells her about the one that got away. Which is apparently uh, dialogue ripped directly from Citizen Kane. Yeah, that's what they said. Wait, yeah. I, I, I must have missed this. I don't remember. I honestly, I've seen Citizen Kane. I don't remember this happening. Well, I just don't I, don't, I don't remember exactly what Gabe's referring to. So he's got his strategy for seduction is that one, he uh, visits her in her citizenship class. And then another moment is when he tells her a story about a, a girl that he loved mm. when he was young. And how uh, he he did he was too scared right, to tell right. how yeah, he yeah. felt. Now I remember. And so then every day he showed up and she never she disappeared from his life. So he missed his opportunity. Mm. He didn't shoot his shot, and we got to shoot our shots. And that's what he's doing with uh, Demi. That's kind of how he's framing it. Right. Is that he knew from the moment that he saw her that he wanted her, and since then he's been aggressively going after her. Mm. And like you can't blame somebody. For doing that, yeah, he learned his lesson. Yeah, now he just goes for it, and now he has the uh, financial backing to go after anything. I mean, everything can be bought. Is his that's right? His mantra: yeah. everything yeah. is for sale. I Everything's guess is temporary. Sure. You know? yeah, I mean, you could tell. What I do like about the way he played this character is you, he has that smile, and every scene he's in, he's just like, I have nothing can hurt me. You know what I mean? Like, I there's no repercussions for anything that I do in every like, movie. I'm gonna be in. I'm gonna be a okay. But this one especially is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought the house. She's she's upset. That smile. She just flipped table on my fat friend. Pays for the Sundance Film Festival. I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so Demi, uh, then Woody, Woody, uh, he finds some meaning in his life in this time that he's had away from uh, from Demi. Little nuance, little 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 shots of them yeah. discovering who they are as people. He, mo- he moves into a shed. Um, a whitewashed shed. Looked the same as the house they were living in before. <laughs> sure did. Um, <laughs> hey, they have a style. Right. Uh, and the, the production design on this Baroque. movie. I mean, nicely done. I, I love the cinematography in this movie. Or I don't know if that's the right word for it, but I like the aesthetic. I yeah, like the, how it looks. The yeah, aesthetic is I nice. I agree. I wouldn't say the cinematography because it is jarring every time you're on Robert Redford and there's a filter on his face and it's like soft and diffused. <laughs> uh, well, he's old here. Every, it, that was like 93. He was, he was only like 50. Um but all that time in the sun, it'll ruin your skin. I mean, he's a yeah, a you redhead know. living in L.A. for that long. Yeah, yeah, well, sun-kissed. <laughs> yeah, that's what. <laughs> Southern California, born and bred. He's, I think, Long Beach is where he's from. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the LBC. Oh, is that what that? That's oh. right. Oh, Him and neat. Snoop and okay. Sublime. Oh, Sublime. See you there. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Let's make uh, it Andrew relatable, Gabe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, it's yeah. It, it, he looks. This movie looks good. I like that. It is, but it is sometimes it meanders. It's so slow. A little slow. The middle part of it is so slow. It starts off fast and strong, and then the end 
has like a couple scenes where Woody Harrelson is is like learning about himself that I really like. Mm-hmm. And I like that he he takes a pay cut and goes back to architecture school. Yeah. And this really is about, you know, I think every relationship um kind of falters when when people lose their their uh individuality, when they don't have adventures on their own. Mm. And it's like they come back at the end of this film, Demi and Woody. And part of it is like they've had these uh they've done some shit. That they can talk to each other yeah. about now. Like, they're interesting. You need to go through some adversity to see how, how solid your uh, foundation is. It's true, because as a couple, they, they're they interesting at the beginning of the film. You know, when you're like, oh, okay, you're young, you struggled, you kind of made it a little bit, and now you're going you're gonna to reach for something. Yeah. And then in the middle of the movie, when they're fighting, no one has the upper hand, and it's a little static. Yeah. And then at the end, when things start shifting a little bit more, you know, um, after... <laughs> After Woody Harrelson decides he doesn't want to be drunk anymore. Because <laughs> he had an alcohol problem for about three seconds. Sure. Uh, when he was drunk one time. <laughs> and Seymour, that's another thing with Seymour Cassell's character. Um, Shackelford. Uh, what a weird name. He does this thing where, like, because uh, uh, Woody confronts um, uh, Robert Redford and... Uh, in the rain. In the rain. Mm. Um, Worst punch ever thrown. Well, he doesn't. He throws the punch. It makes it and he, three feet away, and he Correct. flops down like a a wet yes. sack of yeah. dead hence sparrows. Worst punch ever. <laughs> and Robert Redford tells Demi Moore to go inside, and she does. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was like, no, this is, this is still your husband, uh, even though you're living with this other guy now, and you've completely changed your personal style and everything about you in a week. Yeah, um, like I've changed over the past fourteen hours. Yeah, it was really weird. Um, and then so uh, Shackelford takes him home and and sees that uh, Woody Harrelson has ripped up the pictures of, of Demi Moore and then taped them back together. That's very obsessive. It's super creepy. It feels like it's in Seven. It also is a throwback to um, maybe something that you might see in uh, Fatal Attraction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and then... He, a dark sub-note. Yeah, Shackelford sees this and gives this... this Wry knowing smile, like it's all gonna be okay. And it's like, how does this guy know? What? He's like, rich people are terrible. He's yeah. just fucking with you. Don't uh, worry. Yeah, he's 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 here to. He made your life better by we'll destroying it. Off, we'll auction off a hippopotamus. You'll remember that whole time. <laughs> fucking yada yada yada. Yeah, what? A, that's another cameo. <clears throat> the least funny cameo in the movie is by the professional actor. Comedian. Uh, comedian. Sorry. <laughs> There's only one actor in this. Yeah, movie. who is that guy again? <laughs> Billy he Connelly. looks like a Billy Conway. Yeah. Like he looks like a hybrid of like uh, Roger Daltrey and John Cleese. <laughs> he's no, I don't want to say it. He's the poor man's John Cleese. Wow! <laughs> Shots fired. You Damn. heard it here first. Bang bang. Andrew Harris. Yeah. Bring, it, bring the heat. You can find him on. I could use a little heat. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Conley. So yeah, he's out there and he's doing jokes and having his uh, stand up butchered yeah. by the fact that it's intercut with uh, the hippos. The drama and the hippos. Yeah. Yeah. So what what happens here is that you know he bids the million dollars that he won because they want him to have the money because she's rich now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, take the money that we got from me sleeping with this guy because now I just sleep with this guy. So it, they show flashbacks of them at the at the zoo when they're younger and they're courting each other and Disturbing there's a the, the hippo. Yeah, and then why why the hippo? It, what a weird animal. It to was choose so for that. bizarre. You know, if you've got a bunch of hippos, it's called a bloat of hippos. Is it really? Yeah. So, that is FYI. interesting. There we go. Yeah. During my courtship with Amber, we would watch a lot of animal documentaries, and mm-hmm. one we watched was on hippos. Cool. So, they're uh, they're responsible for more deaths in Africa than any other animal. Big teeth. Mm-hmm. Well, they trample people in yeah. the water. 
Oh, uh, there's great videos of uh, hippos, like people just throwing watermelons. Oh, I love those they videos. They catch them in the mouth. Yeah. yeah, and they catch them in the mouth and they and just smash smash them. There's like, so Pablo happy. Escobar introduced them into the. Uh, uh, where is he from again? The Argentinian? Uh, no, where is he? Colombia. Colombia. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he introduced them into his into his farm, and there now they're like uh, there's wild uh, <laughs> packs of wild bloats of hippos running around that are not uh, indigenous to that region. Totally. So they're apex hippos. Sure, and they've been trained that they've acquired a taste. They've for, been trained to for kill coke. for human blood, <laughs> for coke and narcos. <laughs> <laughs> Could make a horror movie about a group of narcos. Pablo's hippos, <laughs> really effective hippopotamuses. Yeah, harpos, harpo, harpos. That's a like narcos. Oh, narcos, hippo, and like, narco. Okay. Got it. Yeah, not Oprah's magazine or whatever. No, I was like, I for a minute I thought I'd been saying a character from the color purple. <laughs> anyway, that was a weird tangent to go off of. Um, so my question for you is: after so he sees them sort of re- reconnecting and the way she looks at him he says is she'd never look at me that way so i was curious is, is this whole thing was did he lie about all the other women or is that real no he lied uh he lied about them he right? lied he lied about it to make the breakup easier yeah that was some good improv on shackleford's part he played right at, he was like yeah, yeah totally 14 maybe a baker's but dozen shackleford's taking classes at the magnet he is yeah yeah and he's, he's like a, oh well, i'm rolling with this sure what about the one that used to snore all the time yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> he's really throwing he's really throwing some stank on i think that me and andrew did us uh, uh improv 101 at ucb with him yeah yeah with, with uh, yep. Seymour Cassell. oh yeah. yeah yeah he was real good at uh zip zap uh I oh. feel like there's always one old Zip, guy zap, zap. that's in the uh, intro uh, uh, improv class. Yeah, you know? I couldn't find him, so I guess that was me. Just getting back. <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly me when I did it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so there was a lie, yeah. I figured. I mean, that's I was going with that, and then that sort of made his turn. Well, this movie tells a line where, you know, at first you're supposed to I, – I came in hating billionaires, and I, but they made the billionaire <laughs> feel like they made him be a good person. With right. that line at the end. Yes. It saved his whole character. For the life of me, I don't understand how. it. Do, you know what I mean? Just softly breaking up with her doesn't invalidate the hell that he put these people through. You know what I mean? It's very true. I just, I don't... It was a rich man. The billionaire is Mr. Miyagi. The billionaire is the mentor. The, the tough love teacher who's showing them what really matters. But what, I think at the end, he was like, I just couldn't get her to love me more than yeah, him. What, I want what everything he, else. What did he teach them? <laughs> I don't understand. I, like, yeah, well, this is a movie, I think, that wants it both ways. Like, it's glorifying. At the end, uh, there's a happy ending, a fake happy ending, where they get back together, and we learn that the billionaire actually has a heart and some compassion. So he's a compassionate, uh, like... One percenter. I don't understand. No, it doesn't. No, I'm frustrated because. It, okay, so Demi Moore, who I couldn't tell the villain in this movie was, is it Demi Moore? Because it kind of was, um, or was it Robert Redford? Because it absolutely was. Except he was. He did not play it as the villain. He's played off as the hero of this movie. And, and especially because of that end moment when she goes, "Oh, thank you." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. for thank you for making this breakup easier, so I can go be with my husband who I have problems with. Like, I mean, Woody Harrelson gets trampled on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I think love is the hero of this movie, Andrew. I think that was the point. I disagree. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there there can be a heroless film. I will say it the because the when it she's she's in the car with him in her 
in her new rich person clothes and then when she <laughs> when she leaves it's the middle of the afternoon um and then a few hours like it's a very awkward cut where it's all of a sudden early morning and there's mist at the beach which made me very nostalgic for for my home southern california sure. beaches just hanging out on the wharf it's basically like eating a bowl of clam chowder and a hollowed out sourdough bun that's northern california just and that's Al, that's Al Pacino. I get stuck in the studio yeah. again, ladies and um, gentlemen. <laughs> but like they go and they yeah they go to this pier that can't exist anymore. It looked it looked like it was going to fall. Um, yeah, a rickety old pier from their high school days. Oh, Paradise that's Cove. Right, Paradise Cove. Yes, I don't know. That's what it was called. I mean, yeah, it was. Yeah, I agree with you that I don't think that any anything that he did at the end saved him as a human being. No, but. I don't think you're, it's supposed to. He was basically just like a, he paid a million bucks to fucking play with people's emotions. Yeah, like to my mind, you don't I don't know mean, what gets you off. It gets these Richies off. Yeah, like like Demi Moore had to, like had to be the one who like would have to ask. Not that she would have to ask for forgiveness, but like she seemed like by far the bigger transgressor. I mean, she filed for divorce. Yeah, right after what? After it, it, not that much time passed. I would say a month tops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but once you lose trust. You yeah, know. it's true. It's like the Blondie song, man. Uh, he he fucked up. I feel like Woody fucked up because he agreed to this, and then yep. afterwards he started acting jealous. And the and honestly, I mean, dude, don't be a simp. Who cares? Don't act jealous. If you're the better man, the woman's going to stay with you, or your partner's going to stay with you if you're the better person. And if they don't, it's not on you. It means they were flawed monsters. They just wanted that and money. Like, <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, non practice non attachment because no matter what, jealousy is unattractive, and he he made himself unattractive. So I feel like that's that's on him. Um, and for for me, the biggest issue is that we have billionaires in the first place. Like this movie makes it seem like he's an okay person, uh, or it's okay that these billionaires exist in the world in the first place. I don't understand. Like when. This is kind of what I mean. I was so disgusted when I saw uh, Robert Redford's character bet a million dollars on one crap game. Yeah. And everyone in that room should have just murdered him and stole that million dollars. Like, why would you let somebody just recklessly throw that much money away? They shouldn't have it in the first place. If they're if you have the power to do that, you shouldn't have it in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> Money's a construct. Right. Yeah. Um, you can't buy love. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can, sure as, <laughs> you can sure as fuck rent it, apparently. Yeah. So Love, you know, love is con- it's convenience. There's mm-hmm. convenience is what sure. you're paying for with the money. It makes everything easier. It makes everything easier, right. And we're all at our best when life's just a little bit easier, you know what I mean? Sure, yep. not stressed out. Yeah. So what are we thinking, uh, final thoughts, Gabe, since it's fir- your first viewing of Indecent Proposal? Uh, great. Uh, Sade song. Great Sade. Love that. Love listening to her. Love listening to Seal. I thought Seal's were, in it too? Yeah, I think so. He's mm. in one of the lovemaking scenes as got well. Got it. But, uh, you know, the movie's got three or four very funny scenes. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> it's got Woody Harrelson, who I love watching. Mm-hmm. I like watching Robert Redford. Yeah. Um, Demi Moore Young, which is interesting. Uh, but gorgeous. Gorgeous. I give this... Uh, I give I don't know I give this movie uh, four uh, uh, Santa Monica uh, Art Deco houses uh-huh. oh, wow. <laughs> out of four. ten. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. What did you <laughs> think it was? Out of five? five? <laughs> I was like, no. No way. <laughs> no. Yuck. Yeah. Four. Four. We live in a world where... Um, uh, we've, I think we've gotten so much further in communicating about sex that the conceit that monogamy is such an issue for them is, um, is bullshit. Uh, I would say that if you really want to vibe on an early 90s aesthetic... Yeah. Um, Baggy just, dockers on white dudes. Yeah, just pair this with <clears throat> uh, probably Demolition Man. Francia. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and settle in for... Um, for what would be a contemporary version of a stale 90s date night. Uh, I would give this, let's see, out of 10 Las Vegas-themed hotels, I'm going to give it an Excalibur, a Luxor, and a New York, New York. Yeah. Yeah. That end. That end. There you go. Um, good, good question. Uh, this movie kind of showed me how much I've matured since I was 14. Because I remember when I was 14, I was like, so they get to have sex with everybody and they get all this money. And now I'm like, but how is the trust going to stay in their relationship? They're doomed. <laughs> so I've been like emotionally tenderized. Thank you for pointing that out. Oh, wow. Film. Um, <laughs> it's basically like Pretty Woman without the entrepreneurial spirit. I give it uh, – it's watchable, good cast. To me, more sexy. Sade makes it sexier. I give it. I, I got to go with Gabe. I give it for uh, hungry, hungry hippos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great conversation starter movie. You yeah. know, ha- find a partner that you really love, and then ask uh, her or him or them. Um, you know, uh, how much? How much? Uh, <laughs> how much would it take for you to sleep, and then run for the fucking hills yeah. to sleep with somebody else? Uh, how much would you need to be offered to let me sleep with someone else mm-hmm. if a billionaire showed up? How about sixty bucks? Yeah. <laughs> what's your <laughs> or what's what's your list of get out of get out of jail free passes? Right. Like who? Who's your celeb f- and fuck crush? You know, yeah. don't be don't be embarrassed if you have to pause the movie for a while and maybe think about what you've seen or discuss it or you know <laughs> watch an episode of Sunny and then come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds uh, real. Real personal man. So uh, Andrew Harris, thank you so much yep. for being our guest today. What again? Uh, yeah, thank again. you very much. Three times, first three people, three, three time offender. Am I really? Yeah, yeah. dude. Wow. Uh, and what uh, what are some things that you'd like to share with the people? Anything to promote? Yeah, um, on October nineteenth in um, Williamsburg at Very Wholesome, my improv team, Daddy Daughter Dance. <laughs> Guess who I am? Uh, <laughs> <Daughter>. <laughs> we have a. a Vanity Variety Show happening. Um, vanity, because we are all the acts. Um, but it's for charity, and we would love to have you come out. Uh, you can find details of that on the Daddy Daughter Dance Facebook page or the Daddy Daughter Dance Instagram. Please follow us. Uh, you can catch me every Monday night at 8.30 at the Pit Underground um, with Barnaby Thatcher doing some fun improv. And I got a new video up right now um, on the old YouTube uh, it's a message from Volodymyr Zelensky, the uh, Ukrainian president who so, Donald Trump spoke with on the 25th. So not hard sacks. Uh, I've got some hard sacks coming up, <laughs> and I've had nice. some in my past. There we go. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Nice. What do you What do you have to promote, Sammy? Uh, I actually am happy to announce that we're uh, the restaurant project that I've been working on for the past nine months is now opening uh, R40 and LIC. Nice. On uh, Vernon Boulevard, an Argentinian spot. We're opening uh, Saturday to the public, so uh, come on down. Yeah, love, love to have you. Hey, and uh, you can find me and all Gabe Pacheco related things at gabepacheco.com. dot uh, You can come to Funhouse Comedy 
every Wednesday night at Cantina Royal in Williamsburg at 9 p.m. The show is free. And uh, please rate, review, subscribe, tell two friends about Eat, Pray, Judge, because that's how we gain new listeners. Uh, we love you. And uh, we'll be back next week with another fantastic movie review. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, yo. Check the verse. I learned I the back when we make